0: Rich Apple, give me a
1: name. Teddy Roosevelt. Here we go.
0: Welcome to Give Me a Name, where a guest presents me, Ben Kirschenbaum, with a dead historical figure they find interesting, and we discuss. This episode comes out on my birthday, so as a gift, rate, subscribe, maybe even review, although it's not even a round number birthday, so that would be a little excessive. I've seen interviews start this way before, but I think it's a good way to start it. Okay. I am going to read to you what it says underneath his statue at the Museum of Natural History. Read it off. On the Upper West Side. Here we go. Teddy Roosevelt, explorer, scientist, conservationist, naturalist, ranchman, scholar, statesman, author, historian, humanitarian, soldier, patriot. He actually wanted more.
1: He oh, wanted yeah. more things. That isn't.
0: is not... Oh, he, he wanted more no, things. No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. I mean, probably, from what I've learned about this guy. Well, it also doesn't say president. I mean, it says statesman.
1: Oh, that's a good point. Well, from what I've... From my research, mm. he never
0: really wanted to be president. Oh, I got the opposite point of view. Oh, really? Well, here's... So, what I'll say is... He reluctantly takes the vice president. Yes. Okay, so uh, just to say, so Teddy Roosevelt, president, 1901 to 1909. Yes. He becomes the president because he's the vice president, and William McKinley, the president, gets shot six months into his second in term. Buffalo, in Buffalo. Of all <laughs> places. If you're going to kill the guy, let it be in fucking Miami or something. Yeah, There's not. it's not a sexy murder.
1: Well, like, I didn't even know he was killed. Oh, McKinley. yeah. McKinley. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's and probably like, the. Is he the. Garfield might be the most low key killed president. Yes. I would say this is the second lowest key. And Zachary Taylor, there are rumors that he was killed. It's probably not true, right. but there are rumors that he was poisoned. So Teddy Roosevelt becomes president after being vice president. However, since it happened so early into McKinley's term, he's basically president for eight years, for seven and a half years. Right. And. The thing, the reason why I'm countering you on the not wanting to be president thing is that he loved being the president. That seemed apparent. Right.
1: That he loved being the president, but it didn't seem like he really had the drive to do the
0: work, to become. Well, he does a lot of shit before, but- He loves war. He loves war. He loves war. And I want to say, psychologically, it's interesting because his father, who- Theodore Roosevelt Senior, who yes. he respected the hell out of, loved them. Was his, you know, he had a huge portrait of him yep. at Oyster Bay. Yep, Sagamore Just, Hill. Well, Sagamore Hill. Yep, worships the guy. But Theodore Roosevelt did not fight in the Civil War. No. So Teddy Roosevelt, born in eighteen fifty-eight, Theodore Roosevelt was uh, Theodore Roosevelt Senior. Yes. What he did was he sent, and it was a common thing, he paid to send a replacement,
1: which brilliant. That's, that's fuck you money. <laughs> that's something. Yeah. That's, imagine doing that today. And not
0: being ashamed of it. No, and people being like, well, you know, you had to do what you had to do. And also, I, I would actually say at the time, opposite of being ashamed, being like, he's a patriot. Yeah. He paid for someone. He just did it not go. He did his part. Right. So... Teddy Roosevelt always has a bit of a chip on his shoulder, and probably one of the reasons why, not to psychoanalyze him, but one of the reasons why he glorifies war is because he's a little bit ashamed that his father didn't enter it. I think it's a combination of that and also him
1: being told "Yeah, he's born, he's basically a a non-cripple cripple. His dad's like, listen, you have a shit body. Just use your brain. Exactly. And I think that also. Well, the father says the you fire. have a
0: shit body, but then he's like, you got to build your body. Y- this is Yes, what, that's this true. What, so, as a uh, as a kid, he has asthma. He's a sickly kid. Right. Doctors basically say, you know, eh, you're not going to get out much. Like this is this is the way things are. It's
1: also 19th century medicine. Let's also put an asterisk next to this.
0: Oh yeah, so. and 19th century awareness of fitness. Of course. And how to build your body up, which he's sort of way before his time, you know, ahead of his time or something like that. He's building his body up and, uh, you know, eventually becomes, in his words, as strong as a bull moose. He loved to say bull
1: moose. (laughs) Guy fucking love. For a guy who didn't grow up anywhere near moose.
0: Yeah. He's like, that's my example. So Teddy Roosevelt, born in 1858, wealthy, wealthy, wealthy.
1: First thing I wrote down here, his mom was a socialite and his dad was a
0: businessman and a noted philanthropist. When your profession is philanthropist. Something's up. There is. So, and the dad does great. Dad helps found the Natural History Museum where his son's statue now is. Of course. uh, Children's Aid Society. Yep. So he is giving back to the community and he's paying for fighters in the war. Of course. Uh, oh, one other thing about the war, which I didn't know before doing some research. Okay. Teddy Roosevelt's mom, Southerner, Ooh. probably pressured her husband not to join the war because she had allegiances to the Confederates. I didn't even know that. Yeah.
1: Okay. That
0: is very interesting. Which, if Teddy Roosevelt thought that his father didn't go to the war because he was a coward, there, there's more to the story than that.
1: Right. Right. Especially, you know, you must be growing up in the household during that time. Your mom's saying something to your dad. And that also explains some later actions of his.
0: When it comes to war? Well, or...
1: um, if you want to save it for later.
0: Okay, okay. The one thing that I wanted to say, so I read the, not to go on a tangent, but this is something I do want to address early on in the pod. So I read the insignia, the, the engraving underneath his statue at the Museum of Natural History. Right Teddy Roosevelt has been very relevant this year because that statue is coming down. Yes, as you have a fantastic bit about it. I have a bit about the I keep thinking it's about Teddy Roosevelt. Roosevelt. I keep thinking it's about... So he... The statue, the language that's being used about the statue, and one of Teddy Roosevelt's, I think, either grandkids or great-grandkids is involved with it. Mayor de Blasio Mm -hmm. is involved. Most of the language involved says that the statue is inappropriate because of the statue itself. It doesn't even address Teddy Roosevelt. And if Hmm. you know the statue, I'll put an image of it. It is Teddy Roosevelt triumphantly on a horse, typical... You know, statue from okay. that time, and to his left and to his right, very much underneath him is a Native American and a black man. Right. So, even as a kid, when I passed by this museum as a kid, I was like, "Huh, that there's something off about that." You
1: think there should also be a Hispanic and an Asian? It's
0: it's not and, fully inclusive. Yeah, well, that's, that's exactly the right. With the yeah, 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 that's the problem. With the statue, <laughs> and and not one. Yeah, that's exactly right. Not one woman. So they're saying the statue itself, which I completely agree with, is just shows like hierarchy. And right. and is is weird. It's, it, it's odd. It, yeah. But the other part about it that not many people talked about, at least involved with it, plenty of people are writing articles about it, mm. is Teddy Roosevelt's racist ideology and his racist past. Oh, so yes. So he I mean, we'll I, I want to discuss it kind of head on before we say probably plenty of nice things about Teddy Roosevelt. Okay, so you want to start with the racism. I feel like starting with the racism is addressing the elephant in the room, especially right now. I'll scroll down here. (laughs) (laughs) I got some notes on this. So we'll start with Native Americans, because that's on one side of him in the statue, and then African Americans, because that's on the other side of the statue. Okay. So there was a sort of popular saying at the time, and Teddy Roosevelt has been misquoted as saying this. He did not say this, which is that the only good Indian is a dead Indian. That was like a thing that was said at the time. But not by him. So not by him. Okay. And I looked it up. I was like, did he really say this? And I looked it up and he did not really say this. And I'm like, well, what did he really say? Because someone must have misquoted him, whatever. And I was like, I'm sure what he said is better. Here was his quote. I don't go so far as to think that the only good Indians are the dead Indians. But I believe nine out of every 10 are. And I shouldn't like to inquire too closely into the case of the 10th. Pretty progressive 10% <laughs> 10% all
1: right also this is coming from a guy who's probably getting shot at by like indians on a daily in the dakotas
0: so teddy roosevelt when he is in his early 20s goes to the dakotas and becomes a ranchman cuz
1: what's also say the reason why mm. his wife dies after giving birth to their first child yes and then his mom died what 6 hours before in the, in the same, same house. house in the same house That is a covid protocol right there they got to do something about that but i like how he just went to the dakotas gave his daughter to
0: his sister 3 years later just came back picked up his daughter and was right. like all right no i'm back yeah so that's why he goes to the dakotas that's why he has encountered it. so for you know a upper so he's a upper class new york guy goes to harvard you know that's why he's actually encountered
1: And feels like Harvard was a waste of time.
0: Yes, he he wasn't a school guy. He dropped out of Columbia Law.
1: He didn't even spend any time going to class. He wrote a book.
0: Yeah, so Teddy Roosevelt at Columbia Law, or when he's still at Harvard, I believe, wants to learn about the War of 1812. He's interested in learning about the War of 1812. He goes to the library. He sees that there aren't any really adequate books about the War of 1812. So he does what anyone would do. He writes the main book about the world of war of 1812
1: and specifically naval
0: strategies. Yeah, he gets he 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 zooms in. He's yeah. talking about and he's obsessed with the navy throughout his life. Whole life. He becomes the assistant secretary of the navy earlier yep. on in his life and he's convinced that if America wants to be on the map that they need to have a powerful navy. Correct. That that's, that means that you are a first-rate country. He wanted
1: to take over the Philippines for that specific reason.
0: Yeah. To, so Let's get back to the racism. Okay, though, we're getting back I feel to racism. Like we, we get back to racism. There we go. So Native Americans now, as with, and this is going to be the case with African Americans too. Yep. There's, it's not going to be overall. He is a, let's just say it right now. He is a white supremacist. There is no doubt about it. He believes white people people are superior to non-white people, and he has sort of a—there's a famous poem called The White Man's Burden written by Rudyard Kipling, and the idea of the poem is that it is the responsibility of the more sophisticated, more civilized white people to sort of—their white man's burden is to bring up the non-white people and to— Gotcha. But according to Teddy Roosevelt, he believes in that ideology, but because of his racist point of view, he thinks that it's going to be like thousands of years before that's even accomplished.
1: And let's be honest— The high
0: levels of Manhattan
1: culture, to this day, still agree. (laughs) Like, some things just don't change.
0: So, Teddy Roosevelt, I I mean, a big part of it, you know, everyone talks about, you know, product of his time, product of his place, and things like that. And some people buy that argument, some people don't buy that argument. But I will note that you're totally right, that the people around him would be saying very similar things. And the presidents after him, particularly Woodrow Wilson, who's two presidents after him, is... Way more racist. I mean, another level of racism. He's watching KKK movies in, his, in, his, in the White House and saying how much he loves it. Not great. No, it's, it's, it's not great. Right. Um, in all fairness, there probably weren't many movies at the time. So It's whatever you can get your hands on. You know, this was before <laughs> Netflix, before Hulu, you so know? So if there's like 10 movies, that happened to be his favorite one,
1: but I think... He can't just go to Blockbuster and get uh, you know, rent a movie out. Whatever's in front of him,
0: he's going to watch it. You know, that but, or
1: you, me, and Dupree what are you going to choose?
0: Underrated. So, (laughs) so Woodrow Wilson, even, you know, so, so there are people who are even worse. Having said that, there are people that are better at the time. There are people who were, you know, more as we would say progressive about race. Of course. So, Anyway, so I went over with Native Americans a little bit. He also says, though, in my judgment, the time has arrived when we should definitely make up our minds to recognize the Indian as an individual and not as a member of a tribe. The Indian should be treated as an individual like the white man. So he's he's got a lot of contradictions throughout <laughs> right. his life. And the backdrop is he is a white supremacist. There's no denying that. He's into eugenics kind of later on in his life. Eh. So that's all, again, popular opinion of the time. Right. So... But so that's all definitely true. However, he sometimes says things where you're like, "Oh, that actually is a little bit more modern and a little bit more progressive."
1: Right. I don't know. I didn't have much about the natives. Oh, okay. I had a so a decent amount. There was like Japanese stuff. There was anti-immigration stuff. Oh, sure. That that came up. Well, would I, I, you want to stick? With Native, do you want to go to African-American? I had a good little African-American segment. Let's go into African-American, so you you
0: lead the way. I have
1: this whole, uh, I have a Booker T. Washington situation. Did you see this here? Booker T. Washington, yes, so explain that one. Did you see this here? So shortly after taking office, Roosevelt invites Booker T. Washington, which no one talks about, inspired the wrestler Booker T.'s name.
0: That is the uh, lasting legacy of Booker T.
1: Washington. <laughs> yeah. Booker T. Washington's trying to help African-Americans in this country. He's like, I'm going to be
0: known as the true Booker T. Yeah. And boy, did the early 2000s wash that away. Oh, uh, if you go on Booker T. Washington's Wikipedia page, it's just got paragraphs and paragraphs on his influence on, on mediocre <laughs> wrestler Booker T. <laughs> and then a little snippet at the end that he started the Tuskegee Institute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, so he invites Booker T for dinner. Yes. First this. time ever that a uh, African American is invited to the White House for dinner, has dinner with Roosevelt's family. Yes. Not just Roosevelt. Not just Roosevelt. The Southerners are up in arms about this.
1: They freak out. And Book- uh, <laughs> Booker T, and then uh, Roosevelt says, Listen here, you racist fucks. I'm having dinner with him. I'm going to invite him over some more. Go fuck yourselves. This is my house. That is what he says. That's but- what he says. And then he kind of turns heel when he realizes he needs those votes. And he goes to Booker (laughs) T and tells him,
0: yeah, we're just going to keep this a business relationship. They they do still keep in touch. They They keep in touch. They have a relationship. So, again, that's a perfect example of the contradictions, that he invites Booker T. Washington to uh, the White House. It's this huge symbolic thing. But then he never invites him again. And he does it, as you said, maybe because of fear, maybe because of... Right. You know, his own racist attitude. But in any case, actions speak louder than words, and he doesn't invite him again.
1: And then then he also advocate for a, a certain black
0: uh, a politician? Yes. Yeah, so he has people, and this is one of the reasons why I said Woodrow Wilson is even worse. He does hire people to sort of prominent positions within government. One example is this guy, Doctor William Crum, as customs collector in Charleston. Okay, and he has a quote about that, saying, "I cannot consent to take the position that the door of hope, the door of opportunity, is to be shut upon any man, no matter how worthy, purely upon the grounds of race or color." Hmm. Woodrow Wilson. The reason why I mention him is that he prohibits anyone from joining the civil service that's African American.
1: Right. Listen, not everyone could be Roosevelt. That's a guy with <laughs> a lot to live up to. He had to bring it back down a notch.
0: Yeah, no, it's two steps forward, one step back in this right. Case. This yeah. guy's not carrying the biggest stick, but what are you gonna do? So during his presidency, probably the most egregious thing that Roosevelt did in terms of race is his what he did during what's called the Brownsville affair in 1906, which mm-hmm. is in Texas. Um, basically, a white bartender is killed, a white police officer is wounded, and it's blamed on members of the uh, African-American 25th Infantry Regiment with very, very little proof. People within the infantry that are not black are saying, well, this did not happen. This is just a bold-faced lie. And Roosevelt, maybe he's pressured to do it, but in any case, he uh, has all these guys discharged without honor. It's 167 soldiers mm-hmm and costs them their pensions, prevents them from ever serving in federal civil service jobs. So he's got a lot of marks just in terms of things he said, but in terms right. of actions, this is one of the big ones. Right. And listen, still for his time, he's like, hey, listen, got him the jobs. He What he believes in, and he's pretty universal on this. So, so he's racist in the sense that he believes that like people are genetically inferior or just not as civilized, not as evolved. Like that's yes. that's how he's racist. The one way that he is a little more progressive in this sense is that he respects self-made men and women. He mm-hmm. respects people in general that worked hard to become what they became. That's a big reason why he respects Booker T. Washington. Booker T. Washington was born a slave, right. a self-made man. And so when it comes to that, that respect seems to be pretty universal and transcend race. Right, he wants
1: he wants everyone to be equal, but on his time, he's like, <laughs> "I'm gonna tell you, you don't do it like that. You do it. I'm gonna tell you how to do it. Right, and we'll build up." It's an
0: incredibly condescending form of yes, racism. It's
1: the most condescending form of progress progression. Right in this country.
0: So, I want to dial back a little bit. Do you think, do you have more on race? I, would, I think
1: one more, I have a lot of on race. Okay, please, keep going. Uh, this one about, the, we're sticking with African Americans here. Sure. Me, you know, he's a part of the Progressive Party. Right. Almost all Northerners in the Progressive Party were advocates for black rights. Roosevelt, not so much as we stated. Right, there's a so, mix, yeah. There's a mix, he goes to the South. And four delegations come to the Progressive National Convention: two white, two black. He goes, "All right, the whites are going to get the seats. Blacks have to stand." Uh, yeah. Not great. No. At least give us a half and half. And ten. I think that
0: there's, and I think that there's also, just like you said before, I, he's he wants votes. He wants, he wants to be popular, and he right. succeeds. Teddy Roosevelt, especially in the middle of his presidency, and oh, yeah. at the end, one of the most popular U.S. Pre- I mean, I don't think that they really took approval rating polls at the time. No. But he—so, Teddy Roosevelt, as we said, decides—he he was made president by the uh, former president being shot. Then he runs for president in 1904, wins by a lot. Yep. And then decides pretty soon after he wins that term that he's not going to run for, well, you could call it a third term or not a third term. It would be the second time he would be in an election, but he would be president for 12 years. Am I making myself clear You're on that? correct. Yeah. And he was
1: like, I'm not going to
0: do the third term. And they are no, like, t- Ted, we want you. He believed he shouldn't run for a third he term. He thought he shouldn't run morally. He didn't want to become a dictator. He's following the lesson of George Washington, yep. who said, I'm going to do two terms, then I'm going to get out of there. And... Then pretty soon after he says it, he's like, I made a huge mistake. Yeah, I'll do it. But the reason why I mention it is that he's so popular that he could have won. Easily. In 1908. And he knows. Yeah. He, he's aware. Yeah. Roosevelt, his, his the president, likes to say that he stands for what's called a square deal. That's a, a big term that yes. is associated with Roosevelt. And here's a quote. So when I say I want a square deal for the poor man, I do not mean that I want a square deal for the man who remains poor because he has not got the energy to work for himself. If a man who has had a chance will not make good, then he has got to quit. So this goes back to the same thing where it's like, I'm giving a square deal. I'm I'm for meritocracy. I'm for equal opportunity. That you should have the right, that government should provide you with the tools that you have a shot if you work hard. Right. And he does have quotes where he says that, that doesn't that that he's not distinguishing that right based on gender, based on race. Right. He's like, here are the tools. Yeah. Now now you do something. And that goes so... So uh, Teddy Roosevelt's probably most famous quote is speak softly and carry a big stick. Right. And that has to do largely with his foreign policy, but you can extend that to anything. You could even say that just in day-to-day life. What <clears throat> it means is you beep a little bit, uh, be diplomatic and... Mm. Don't be aggressive in general, but you have a big stick behind you. Right. If push comes to shove, if someone attacks you, you don't want to rattle my cage. Right, right, right. We're here. Don't wake up the fucking boys. Yeah. All right. <laughs> the boys are coming out. All right. Relax. Uh, but the other main quote, uh, a longer speech that is, that is, uh, I would say, Teddy Roosevelt's maybe second most famous quote is the man in the arena. Do you know this quote? No, tell
1: me, fill me in on this one So here.
0: this one, he gives it in a speech in 1910. This is a famous Teddy Roosevelt quote, and it's a long one. Um, do you want to read it? No, you, you go, go you go. You, you found want to do it? it, you go, yeah. So this is, I feel like a lot of people have this as just like an inspirational quote. Maybe they have it like, you know, hanging in their, their office or whatever the hell. Okay, maybe i And of it. I think the reason why it's so, such a, well, I'll, I'll say the quote first, and then we can discuss it. Say the it. quote. So Teddy Roosevelt says in Paris in 1910, Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat.
1: People have that hanging in their apartment? Oh, yeah.
0: quote. It's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a very long quote. No, it's got to be a big apartment, yeah. Yeah, it's it's gotta probably, be, not, yeah, yeah that no. Etsy delivery must be <laughs> <laughs> through the roof. <laughs> it's just hanging. It's just like all along, like you live in, the, you've got to live in the Capitol. You've got to have like just this extended. <laughs> it
1: wraps around. It's a part of the molding.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. Sorry, I know that's a lot to take in, but I do think that the essential, And and I, I maybe shouldn't have read the entire paragraph that took like, you know, 20 minutes on a guide where it's already a lot to cover, but it's not the critic who counts. And I feel like that quote is inspirational for artists as well.
1: Of course. I mean, yeah. but I think that
0: goes for everyone, it goes for
1: business. You know, if you, you know, Bezos, for example. Right. You know, it's the most profitable company in history. In the late 90s, they were telling him, you're not making any profit. How, he's like, yeah, but my valuation is this. And they're like, nah.
0: Right. And it's not the, but it's also, it's the man in the arena. So it's this idea, I think just in day-to-day life too, where it's like, say uh, say for an artist, like, you know, I'm making this podcast, you're making a podcast. And maybe someone says like, ah, that podcast, you know, I don't like it, whatever. It's so much easier for that person to say, I don't like it. Than what you did, which is create a fucking podcast. right? And even if, you know, whether you fail or succeed is almost whatever it is, is better for the fact that you tried.
1: Right. Which that just goes back to the old. I think it all goes back to him. They're telling him you can't physically do anything. Oh, yeah. It's all stemmed from this.
0: Yes. I think
1: he's a big like, don't tell me what I can and can't do. I'm going to do it. If you're a critic, fuck you.
0: Yeah. He also runs for mayor early in his life and loses, and, of course, the biggest loss, losing his wife uh, and and his mom on the same day. Right. There are, for a, he yes, he's an upper-class, silver spoon guy, but the guy has experienced hardship, and right. he's, you know, that does drive him, I think, uh, exactly what you said. I know, and also,
1: he becomes the police sergeant yeah. in New York, and he walks the beats
0: of the regular cops so just
1: cuz he said it was fun
0: uh teddy roosevelt becomes the police commissioner of new york so this is before first he, ever commissioner
1: i believe he's
0: in a group of like four cuz it was four. a commission
1: before or maybe once he became the governor, a governor right. or senator?
0: He becomes a governor, uh, the governor, uh, right before he becomes vice president and then president.
1: While he was governor, he said, No, we need one commissioner, oh, not a commissioner. So, but so while I think he's I got it,
0: so while he's actually one of the four commissioners, he goes on what are called midnight rambles, which is what you're referring to. Uh, one time he and uh, a famous journalist, Jacob Reese, mm-hmm. they're basically going. To uh, at at the time uh, there was like well known a lot of corruption among the police. They're of not uh, you know they're not doing their jobs. They're they're skipping their beats. And uh, Teddy Roosevelt literally. I mean he's he's the big shot. He's the commissioner. But he's literally at night going around and saying like, hey, get your you know feet off the table. Right. Um, I also read accounts where he's doing it in disguise, which is fun.
1: Well, it's because and I could be wrong here. Call us in that it's because so many. I was going to say paparazzi. But that's not <laughs> thats not necessarily what it was. So many journalists are coming out it is with their cameras. Yeah. Waiting for him to walk by their apartment or by their neighborhood. So he had to start going in disguise hmm. because or else it just became a show.
0: Yeah. The other famous thing that he does during uh, this time is that there's a law that you have to close down saloons on Sundays on on you know the Sabbath. Of course. And uh he a lot of, uh, particularly German workers, are very upset about this. That's mm-hmm. their one day off. They're working, right. you know, twelve-hour days, six days a week. And he, but he's like, this is the rule. Like, I'm going to enforce the rule. That's my that's my big thing. And there is, because of him, essentially, there is a huge, huge um, protest in New York. Right. And he has the gall, the the nerve, to just stand there and kind of wave. As people I are shouting like you're took a piece of shit. Yeah. And he was like, sorry, babes,
1: but I'm here. But he took it. Yes. Because the whole what was uh you probably have it written down. I don't have it written down. Yes, yeah, sure. The whole strenuous life philosophy of his. It's not called strenuous life. Mm. He had a certain philosophy where whatever you do, it has to be difficult. Yes. That that makes sense. Yes. I forgot what that it's not strenuous life. Ah, I won't look it up. I'm on airplane mode. But yeah, his whole philosophy was whatever the hardest
0: option is. Right. Do that. And that's what he respected. He respected people that chose the hardest right. option. And throughout his life, he is challenging himself over and over again. And there are just, I mean, the thing about this guy is like, in an hour, you can't cover. We haven't covered nearly.
1: We're not even scratching the surface. No, not here.
0: scratching the surface in the amount of experiences the guy had. And that's why I kind of wanted to read that quote at the very beginning that, like, you know, we didn't talk about him as a conservationist yet. We didn't talk about him as a soldier yet. And uh, I want to get into it. Of course. But, uh, you know, this guy, in terms of putting himself in harm's way, as you said, or choosing the most difficult option, he's, you know, he's he's walking the walk. I mean, he. He's like, if I'm going to do this job, right. we're going to do this job, babes. All right. <laughs> so let's go out there.
1: Let's let's throw some fists. And he loved it. Yeah. He lost his sight and his left eye in a boxing match at Harvard.
0: No, no, not well, in, in the Harvard. White House. I'm, he's uh, in the I apologize. So he's in the White House. In and it. he mm-hmm. keeps up all that exercise stuff that he uh, adopted as a kid when he yep. was a sickly kid. And he's he's exercising, he's got a boxing coach and he gets hit in his eye and loses at least most of the sight in that eye mm-hmm. for the rest of his life. His uh, what he does is, I mean obviously he he says like all right, I'm not going to box anymore. Maybe I shouldn't box anymore. Right. He picks up jujitsu. Yes. That's his, he's not, there's no option of not doing some sort of intense sport. He's got to do it. The other fun thing that I liked was that he would play tennis. Did you read this? No. He would play tennis in the White House, but he hid, he hid it from people. He didn't let the cameras come in, both because he thought it was too, like, you know, wimpy of a sport, and also because it was too rich of a sport. So he didn't want to give off That's the impression.
1: That's a Long Island kid. <laughs> Don't watch me play play tennis, because it's gay. <laughs> Well, he's yeah. also a big. I don't. I didn't write down what the sport was called. A stick fighter, essentially. Yeah, that. And he. There was one. He held a press con. First of all, this
0: guy fucking loved a good press conference. Oh, he is a. He is a speaker. He speaks for hours and hours. He was the first president to do two public addresses a day two public addresses a day, and when he's campaigning for both president and even vice president. I mean, he's campaigning for vice president. Like, right. who, who, who gives, gives a, a shit? shit. Yeah. And he, uh, basically, he's just on the train constantly giving speeches at the at the end of a train. A stump speech, I learned. A that's what it's called. stump speech, Which yes.
1: apparently is still a thing because I was going to have a whole bit about it, but they're like, no, that's what it's called still. I was like, all oh, right, <laughs> then forget that. But this guy, he was a
0: stick fighter,
1: just basically taking a cane and fighting another person with a cane.
0: Yeah, I guess he liked those sort of like bare bones sports. He would be a huge UFC guy. Yes. Today. He would be very, very into UFC. Uh, but yeah. He just would do it, he would watch it, he would, you know Be an advocate. It. He's very like Joe Rogan. He's got a Joe Rogan real feel to him, it's yeah. true. He's built kinda like Joe Rogan. He was a huge dude. Was not as huge? big as Joe Rogan. He was formidable. He seemed he's not that tall. Portly. He seemed like a very babe ruth. Figure. I wouldn't like say built. his his successor William Taft that that's a Babe Ruth. That's the guy who got well, tackled at the top. Right. No, yeah. I don't think Ruth wasn't that big.
1: Still, no, he,
0: he still had to run around the bases. Yeah, I don't think Taft. Right. I done think that.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah, Roosevelt
0: was what they would
1: consider yeah. like built. He was, Today, yes, at the time, portly. built
0: at the time. You're, yes, yes, that's a good way of putting it. Uh, one wow. little tidbit. So yes. William Taft, like 300 pounds, and is always, I mean, no one knows anything about him other than the fact that he was the overweight president. Right. A few presidents before him is Grover Cleveland, huge, mm-hmm. who, who clocked in at like 250 or something like that. He must have been so happy that Taft came along. Was he dead by then?
1: Was he, he was still alive, still probably, still at that point.
0: My parents went to Grover
1: Cleveland High School. Oh. That's the only reason why...
0: Two uh, non-consecutive uh, terms. That's the one big thing with Grover oh, Cleveland—only really? president who was president for four years. Then Benjamin Harrison, another guy became president for four years. Cleveland runs again; he's president for four years. Interesting. Yeah,
1: I thought it was that he has a high school named after him that Salt and Pepper went to. That's prestigious. That's prestigious. Also, my parents next to each other in the yearbook. Next to them, Salt and Pepper.
0: What Rock is Grop. what is your mom's original name? Hawk. Ooh, Hawk and Apple That's, That's right. Two
1: thousand people. Oh, when salt n was
0: in their year? Was in their year. Very nice. That's See, that's the history no one talks about. No, I mean, we're finally
1: getting to the gold. We're getting to the gold. I also felt like he was very comparable to Trump.
0: In certain ways, in yes. In certain ways,
1: because he wants to be in front of the cameras, because mm-hmm. he felt like that was the way to talk to the middle class, which is exactly why Trump is mm-hmm. always in front of the
0: cameras. If, if Roosevelt was on Twitter, boy, would he be saying some things. Well, that's <laughs> – you. boy, would he be saying some things. But also, Teddy Roosevelt writes almost 40 books over the course of his life. I can't remember. It was either a little bit more or a little bit less.
1: Yeah. Well, he was a writer. It says so on his uh, – The writer on is one of the main
0: things. He wrote that War of, 19, uh, of 1812 book.
1: And that was one of the books he wrote on the War of My, I think my
0: favorite story of a book that he read is that he is a soldier in what is called the Rough Riders. So during the Spanish-American well, tr- War— He
1: created the Rough Riders, did he not?
0: He is. He is the lieutenant colonel. Yes. He is the leader of the Rough Riders. Um, so a little context, 1898, America, uh, there's the Spanish-American War, and Teddy Roosevelt, like we were saying, he's like, sign me up. This yeah, is it. This amen. is my chance for glory. This is my chance. This is my my maybe because of the father or whatever it is. He's like this is my destiny. And he starts up a group called the Rough Riders. Yeah. And he is there's a famous battle San Juan Hill. He he comes back a, you know, superstar. He comes back. And glorified. also
1: to go back to our whole race thing with Teddy Roosevelt. Yes. Almost it was a very diverse Cast of characters. Very in the diverse
0: cast of characters. There are black people, there are Jews, they're there natives. Yeah, there are there are definitely Native Americans. Uh however, Up. he does say later on he criticizes black soldiers. He says black yeah. people don't make us good soldiers. So oh, there's right. always there's always the one every time you say one little nice thing about Teddy Roosevelt it when it comes, comes to race, there's always gonna be something else. That that is something that I discovered over and over again. But the rough riders he becomes a right so he becomes a hero he comes back shortly after that he uses all of this good press mm-hmm. to become the governor of New York He's yes. only governor of New York for like a year then they appoint him for vice president mm-hmm. and then 6 months later he's president right. So his real I mean he's working in civil service for a long time but his actual rise is quite steep it happens quite quickly Very quick the first yeah. viral politician Right Oh, but the only reason why I mentioned the Rough Riders to begin with is because shortly after he comes back, his... Now, this is a very... We were talking about Trump. This is a very Cuomo thing. He writes a book about the Rough Riders. <laughs> I you were going to say he murdered 3,500 <laughs> elderly.
1: It's, it's <laughs> uncanny. <laughs> it, was, it was impressive. Also, 19 sexual harassment charges. <laughs> very Cuomo-esque.
0: Uh, so... Yes, he. Uh, the reason why I liken him to Cuomo is because Cuomo writes a book basically about the about his handling of COVID. Of course, you know, b- b- less than a year he made four after million him. from that. By the way, so people bought the book even in the wake of the all these scandals. The book deal handles. was four million. This oh, just came oh. out the other day. Four million, and then he murdered
1: the people. Sexual harassment, and also what people aren't talking about: he special he got his family and his brother's family special permission from the mm. top doctors in the state to get
0: COVID tests when there were no tests available to state residents. Yeah, the rise and fall of that guy is That's uh, an episode. You know what's interesting about Cuomo too is that it's the he, he's the biggest hero and and quickly after the biggest villain after sixty years of the most under the radar guy. Yeah, but he wanted the spotlight. He wanted the spotlight. But I'm just saying, Cuomo's one of those guys where it's like, who's the governor of New York? Like, I, he was so under oh, the right, radar. Right. And then suddenly it's this huge peak and then this huge downfall. I mean, his, his, it's like a healthy heartbeat. His, uh, <laughs> you know, his, <laughs> yeah, his rising. That's a bit right there. He's uh, a
1: Bills fan. Anyway.
0: Speaking of football, uh, just God, to go on another quick football. tangent, Teddy Roosevelt. Huge football fan. Huge. This goes back to the sports. Obviously, football would be a kind of sport, you know, tough guy sport that he, that he enjoys. Football at the time, football is obviously still very dangerous, but there's like no pads at the time. The rules are a little bit different. People are dying like flies playing football. So they have to, they, you know, people realize that there's got to be a rule change. Mm-hmm. Teddy Roosevelt calls in coaches into the White House And helps brainstorm ways that they can change the rules of football to make it more. uh, Well, I think one of
1: the first he tried to pass several bills to change the rules of football. He is getting involved with football. And Teddy Roosevelt, another Trump-like comparison. Trump said he was responsible for bringing back football
0: during COVID. (laughs) That is, yeah. They give long, long speeches. They write a lot. Teddy Roosevelt writes books. Trump writes tweets. But probably, if you put all the tweets together, I would, yeah, yeah.
1: I would agree. Forty bucks worth, maybe more.
0: I don't know if Teddy Roosevelt wrote in all caps. I think that his <laughs> <laughs> it was a little more, you know,
1: <laughs> traditional writing. Another Trump-like comparison. This is my last Trump-like comparison here. Right. Panama Canal Which you could do a whole episode on the Panama Canal That's the thing about this
0: guy. You could do a whole episode on the Rough Riders. You could do a whole episode on on each of the elections that he's a part of. But anyway, yeah, Panama Canal. uh,
1: Really, when they were building the Panama Canal, they had two options. They could go through Panama or they could go through Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. And people were saying that Roosevelt went with Panama because of corporate interest. Right. So uh, the the, uh, newspaper here, the New York World and the Indianapolis News, wrote anti-Roosevelt articles. Okay. So what did Roosevelt do? He sued them.
0: That's a Sounds, very.
1: That's something Trump would
0: do. There's there's a lot of stuff here, um, and also, I mean, just at the very base, rich guy, man of the people.
1: Yeah. Well, at least Teddy Roosevelt's going out there and fucking fighting elephants with his.
0: Yeah, he's hands. not. He's not playing golf at Mar-a-Lago. He's, that's the difference. Yeah, no, he's ripping apart the you know bulls or whatever. Exactly. Uh, we can also say you know because of the rancher stuff. One of the main associations, people who. Uh, you know, people have with Teddy Roosevelt is the teddy bear. The teddy bear is named after Teddy Roosevelt. Yep. And the reason why is because he was hunting bears and he wasn't getting any. And so they kind of, to like make him feel better or whatever, they tied up a bear to a tree and said like, hey, you know, here's 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 an easy one for you. And he's like, no, this is brutal. Like, I can't do this. Right. This is not the proper way to do things. So keep in mind, he was hunting bears. So he's not pro- peaceful treatment of bears but he likes to challenge he likes he, yeah that's that's the case over and over again in his life
1: i also like that it's do- well documented because he's like i'm a real outdoorsman and he goes to the dakotas and then the native Daco- not native dakotans mm. you know cowboys yes you know, still white guys but the, right, right, the right. cowboys of the D- dakotas respected him but they were like you're not you're not that good like it's well documented that they did not think he was as good as he
0: but said. he even if he's not that great of a ranchman, he takes advantage of the image. And he's, of course. If we're making uh, parallels to more modern presidents, there's a lot of George W. Bush here, too, and mm. a lot of Ronald Reagan here, too, the image of the cowboy president and the way that it's this all-American image that appeals to people. Of course, in the case of Roosevelt as opposed to— I mean, well, Bush is obviously also from an elite family, but at least Bush was the governor of Texas. It makes a little bit more sense. Roosevelt was—I mean, he was legit a ranchman. He did legit go to the Dakotas. He absolutely did. But that's another point where uh, Lyndon Johnson would be another one. The idea of the famous image of these guys is in a cowboy hat. Of course. And they exploited it to the best of their abilities. Well, they got the votes. They definitely did. Maybe not Bush. Well,
1: that's true. (laughs) Hanging Chad.
0: (laughs) We could talk about different parts of his life. Uh, We went through a little bit of his rise. um, Sickly kid, the death of his uh, wife and in his mother. One quote that I'll say, and this one luckily is much, much shorter than the man in the arena quote. But he is very depressed after that awful thing, yes. you know, after the two deaths, rightfully so, uh, goes to the Dakotas, tries to sort of, you know, mend himself. And here is, this is a quote that kind of has, this quote I've known for a very long time, and it's sort of haunted me a little bit. Mm. Black care rarely sits behind a rider whose pace is fast enough. And I'll read it one more time. Black mm. care rarely sits behind a rider whose pace is fast enough. And what it means is, and we could sort of dissect it. It's yeah. one of my favorite quotes on depression. It says, "If you don't want to be depressed, if you don't want to be down, work. Just keep busy."
1: Yeah, which that's kind of his, as you can tell, right? His life
0: philosophy. And, and it it makes because like before I knew about that uh, about that quote, I was always I always thought of Teddy Roosevelt as just like this manic guy, which he probably was. I mean, he probably would have been. That he probably would be medicated nowadays yeah, 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 yeah. yeah um but i always thought of it as like he's just this you know naturally enthusiastic guy got you know incredible energy yep. and is just going out to the amazon and he's going out to, to africa on expeditions and all of this stuff mm-hmm. but that quote is so haunting because it's like well was this guy just escaping what was really underlying? Was there some dark, dark place deep down? Oh, of
1: course. Even in his last few years, his son gets shot down and in a plane. That's exactly
0: what I was going to say. Yeah. So Roosevelt's end is tragic. Mm-hmm. After the huge rises of his life as president, uh, Roosevelt, who is big time on war throughout loves his life. Loves it. Ironic. Loves war. After his presidency, he becomes involved. He wants to fight in World War One. Mm-hmm. And he's very, very pro-America joining the war, not at the very beginning, but eventually very into it. His son dies in 1918, towards the end of the war. And Teddy dies less than a year later. And one of his biographers said, you could argue he died of a broken heart.
1: Well, it also seemed like that Amazon trip really was his downfall. Oh, yeah. No, he probably died of an actual illness. Right, right, right. right. Because that typhoid fever just keeps coming back. The infections just keep coming back. He, right. That trip really. He takes a trip to up. the
0: Amazon, where he sort of uh, there's an uncharted uh, river, which is known as the River of Doubt, and now yep. is named after Roosevelt in the Amazon. There you go. And he goes towards what ends up being towards the end of his life on this expedition. Again, one of the more risky kind of out there, you know, trips for a president or any person to take. Right. And he gets very, very sick. He uh, has uh bad side effects at the uh, at the end of it and like you said he's he's pretty sick. They un- didn't even think he was going to make of it of back life. on the boat. Yeah. So that trip 19 uh 14 and the uh that river is now called Rio Roosevelt or Rio Teodoro.
1: That's a nice name, Rio Teodoro. Rio Tord Yeah, nice. that
0: does sound really nice. Why did you choose? Why Rich Apple? Why did you choose Teddy Roosevelt? Well, I'm a Long Island kid. Yes. So
1: Ben said, you want to do this pod talk about historic people? I said, yep, I'll do Billy Joel. And then Ben's like, no, they have to beat that. I was like, all right. Let's wait a couple weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Give me some time to research. And it was either Teddy
0: Roosevelt or Walt Whitman. Oh, I meant let's wait a couple weeks for Billy Joel to most likely pass. Oh, my God. Give him another few bottles of red, bottles of white there. and uh, If MSG doesn't open up, I don't know where.
1: Where does the guy sleep? He just rides his motorcycle up and down the street all day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that he seriously does. He just up outside the alley out his yep, and he just drives back and
0: forth, <laughs> plays the piano at home. But, so I, I, I did. I said, it's got to be dead. I said, can't be Billy Joel. Yeah.
1: Right. So because uh, then the most famous Long Islander, besides Billy Joel or Howard Stern,
0: would be Teddy Roosevelt. So and let's also, I'm not taking him away from Long Island. He is definitely a Long Islander. Which I
1: thought he was born and raised Oyster Bay.
0: No. So born, born in Manhattan, another little thing, when he's a very little boy, he sees the actual procession of Abraham Lincoln's in York funeral Square. from outside of his window. Mm-hmm. And Abraham Lincoln, along with his probably his father and Abraham Lincoln, biggest heroes of his life.
1: Yeah, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. So born and raised in Manhattan, but gets this house in Oyster Bay when he's in his 20s. Uh, Seems
1: to be, once he's in the uh, government, once he's in
0: state government. And that is where, if if you said that is where did he live, that is where he lived for the majority of his life.
1: Yeah, that's a big attraction, I went there. You go, uh, driver's ed, we would go to Sagamore Hill. Then you drive by his grave, which is still at the church, which I don't even know if that church is still functioning in Oyster Bay. Uh-huh. But his grave is there. It's it's a very small grave. That's incredible. I yeah. didn't know. So it's all the way Rich the Apple back. learned how to parallel park, <laughs> in the park. Right outside Teddy Roosevelt's grave. And then we got some Italian Isis. How far away was Sagamore Hill from your from where you grew up? So I'm from Syosset. Oh, that's very close. It's the town right yeah. south of Oyster Bay. Okay, we're yeah. all in the town of Oy- Long Island's weird how the structure works, but yes, yeah, asked it's within the town of Oyster Bay, but there is like a capital city of Oyster Bay of the town of Oyster Bay.
0: So I took a little virtual tour of Sagamore Hill when I was looking uh, up this stuff. There you go. Yeah, uh, you can you can take it. It's free. I was I, I thought that maybe <laughs> <laughs> they would charge for this for in COVID times tour? for the virtual. I don't know. <laughs> they kind of make some money. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's an intense place, by the way. I mean, you, you, typical Teddy Roosevelt. There's you know all these animal heads and
1: a lot of. Of fur a lot it's like you're like how? why this much fur especially if that's your summer home it's a little tacky so tacky yeah. and like we get it you killed him ted put a fucking yeah Picasso i mean that up.
0: is that is the one thing where it's like these are his trophies i mean these are things that he actually this is to show you like
1: no i'm a man look look at my house
0: yeah look there's deer antlers there's elk yeah. and then people are like is that a tennis court he's like no no no, no. let's go oh i'm more. not <laughs> I that's, am not gay. Let's focus, focus on that bull, uh, bull moose. A moose. I am not gay. So That's how Long Island he was where he was like, I killed a moose. I'm not gay. That's, that's right. Even if he wasn't from Long Island, he is from Long Island. He was,
1: he was attracted to Long Island because he's like, listen, I have no problem with the blacks. They just don't work that hard and I'm not gay. I don't play tennis.
0: That is the biggest influence that Teddy Roosevelt had—not on breaking trusts, <laughs> not on, uh, trust, not on uh, you know creating uh, fair food and drugs for the, but he created the Long Island stereotype that exists to this day. Yeah, people think he
1: was Italian, and you have to go, no, no, he wasn't. Dutch hands he actually hated them. Actually,
0: actually, as a matter yeah. of fact, if we go back, interesting. So you chose Teddy Roosevelt because of, partly because of Long Island. Also, that was the first time that a president, he would spend his summers on Long Island at Oyster Bay during his presidency. So that was the first time that a president would spend a significant amount of time away from the White House during his presidency.
1: Yes. did spend his winters in D.C. and would skinny dip in the Potomac
0: mm. and bring foreign leaders with him to do it. Yeah. He would allow people to see him skinny dip and not play tennis. Because he's not gay. well right he wanted you can see me naked naked. you can play tennis with me
1: but i'm I'm telling you
0: it's a weird i'm not gay (laughs) so uh okay so long island thing any other reason
1: no, because you, you go through the town. If you go from my house, no, no, no
0: I'm saying any other reason that you just, don't, No, I'm don't.
1: telling you, if you go from my <laughs> oh, house, I was gonna say. I thought to, you were just uh, gonna give me
0: a ways, you know. Thing. <laughs> so what you do is you go from Cheshire <laughs> Avenue. And you make a right on the Underhill.
1: No, from Syosset to Oyster Bay, there's one uh, street you have to take. Right. And to go through, to get to the beach of Oyster Bay Beach, which is Roosevelt Teddy Roosevelt Beach, you pass this gigantic statue. of teddy roosevelt and you were telling me you're like you know roosevelt they're thinking of taking down a statue right but if you go to the statue in norster bay there's like flags surrounding him and uh like flower beds and two very different of course depictions if you're in a
0: more conservative area then which is ironic because yes technically i I don't think i've mentioned this technically teddy roosevelt was a republican He was a member of the Republican Party for most of his career. There is one exception, which is that he runs for president. As I mentioned before, he regretted not going for that third-slash-second term, and he runs again four years later in 1912. He loses, and when he runs in 1912, he runs not on the Republican ticket, but he kind of creates a third party called the Progressive Party. But that word, progressive, when we think Teddy Roosevelt— he was part of the progressive movement, and he, along with Woodrow Wilson, are the faces of the progressive, uh, you know, uh, period or progressive era in American history, which would be the early 1900s. So yes, technically Republican, but it's a little ironic that he is more revered now by conservatives when he right. was a progressive, which is the word that we use for far left, more far left liberals who want, you know. You know, workers rights and and to fight you know big companies like Amazon you mentioned earlier right 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 everything's all skewed when it comes to legacies
1: yeah back then especially one thing I wrote down here about uh, his relations with Japan because he did respect them yes but also hated them yes and so the problem back then was in, we're talking in California they were extremely racist against Japanese immigrants yes. So, what Roosevelt did, he went and talked to Japan on a gentleman's agreement. So, nothing was signed. Mm -hmm. Handshake. Mm -hmm. He's like, listen, we'll stop being racist against the Japanese in California, but you had to stop sending us unskilled uh, workers. Right. So... Which, wouldn't that be nice if that's how racism ended? (laughs) Where you just went to the native country and you're like, shake my hand. We won't be racist anymore. We won't be racist.
0: Yeah. I mean, he... So Japan, at, for uh, Japan at this time, this is early 1900s. He Japan is on the rise in terms of industrializing the, empire, the Japanese, the empire. Japanese Empire, and we didn't get too much into Roosevelt's foreign policy. But Roosevelt believes in what's called the corollary to the Monroe Doctrine. That is Mm -hmm. a big sort of tenet of, or or really the centerpiece of Roosevelt's foreign policy. And you mentioned the Panama Canal, that would be an aspect of it, where Roosevelt is basically saying this hemisphere, South America, uh, Central America, and North America, that is the domain of the USA. They may not be actually part of our empire, but Europe... Asia, stay out of this Western Hemisphere, right. or else speak softly and carry a big stick, or else we're going to take charge. We're building up our Navy, and we've got the power to do it.
1: I did a global Navy tour. He took all the fighter uh, boats, right. all battleship boats, and went around the planet
0: to show, look at look at our dicks. Also a little bit Trumpian. Extremely Trumpian. The reason why I mentioned his corollary is that his philosophy at this time is that Western Hemisphere, that's for America. India, uh, areas that are under British rule, that's for England. That's that's for England. Asia, East Asia, it looks like it's for Japan. What it appears to be. Yeah. Uh, You know, China, Korea, and America wants to get involved in the Philippines. That's part of his foreign policy. Yep, that's a big thing. And McKinley's too before. But uh, his... His point of view on the Japanese, he helps uh, broker the treaty between Russia and Japan after the Russo-Japanese War in the middle of his presidency. And Japan won that war. Japan came and they out— And he
1: specifically asked for Teddy Roosevelt to do it.
0: Yes. Both sides. And this is the first time. He wins a Nobel Peace Prize for that. First American to win a Nobel Peace Prize. Yep. And it is, again, government getting involved now in foreign affairs— in a way that it hadn't done before Teddy. Mm-hmm. But the only reason why I mention it is because he does have, for all of his racism, he does have a certain respect for the Japanese. That is like kind of the one exception.
1: Right. Well, that's why he started doing jujitsu. Jujitsu is because he saw the Japanese taking over Asia and he was like, Oh, that's why yeah. they know how to do no, 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 that. That's how
0: those wars, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, it wasn't, there were no weapons. It was just pure jujitsu and the Russians yeah. were, you know, busy wrestling or whatever they do. We're, you know, what, what's the wrestling? They or what's
1: do, the sport? uh, uh uh, uh fuck. There's a specific Russian martial art, and I'm blanking on the name here. Give your dad a ring.
0: Uh, yeah, my dad, the the you know Jew from the Eastern Europe. I don't think know. knows. My dad was busy playing the accordion and not tennis. Not, not tennis. tennis. He was. Not he has a wife. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just to clarify. Well, he went, uh, Roosevelt went to the army, and he's like, listen, stop with this wrestling. My dad is a urologist.
0: He sees penises all day, he's, but he does not play tennis <laughs> nothing guys never touched a racket <laughs> don't even show it to a paddle ball go fuck yourself
1: uh roosevelt went to the army he's like no you're wasting your time at wrestling it's jujitsu you'll, you'll do jujitsu right and then because there was a whole feminist movement the number one sport i think from like 1913 to 1914 for women was jujitsu because mm. they saw roosevelt was teaching it to only men and they were like fuck you Oh, we could do this too that's and boxing
0: Oh, and I also will say Roosevelt's history on women's rights is a little bit stronger than when it comes on race. He, uh, he's thinking about running for president in 1920, and uh, he's basically planning a run up until the day he dies. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that he's running on is women's suffrage, which of course happens right after that. So his history on women is uh, a little bit stronger than, or uh, actually much stronger than his history when it comes to African Americans, Native Americans, right. any non-white group. So- Teddy does die still running for president, still as active as he's always been. And the last thing that I wanted to get into, and we sort of already did this, is this idea of Teddy Roosevelt being a progressive. And when it comes to race, he does not resemble progressives of today at all. When it comes to fighting for the working man and trying to give get bigger government to give people a fair shake in life, he does represent the progressives. Yes. But one area, I read this article, and uh, I'm blanking on the author, but I'll, I'll put up the link. One element that he differs again from modern progressives, according to this article, is that at the time, people were more, people on the left, or, or I guess not left, but people who would identify and, uh, with or, or agreed with certain progressive platforms, mm-hmm. they were more accepting of someone who would pick and choose, who would be maybe for more environmental stuff but not as much for social stuff
1: oh interesting
0: and the author of this article was saying that's different from today where it's all or nothing
1: right you're either with
0: us on every single progressive issue or you're you're the enemy and i don't know i just thought i, I don't know if i completely agree with it but i thought that it was an interesting contrast to make
1: that's interesting one thing i it kind kind of adjacent to what you said the first 25 presidents did 1,200 executive orders. Mm. Roosevelt himself did 1,081 executive orders.
0: He expands the government in every single form in terms of brokering deals with labor, with during the coal miners' strike early in his yep. presidency, in terms of getting involved with uh, you know, working hours and minimum wage, and uh, busting up trust. That's his big thing. He's called the trust buster. Yep. He's not going to let the J.P. Morgans of the world you know, control America and make the wage gap, you know, completely unfair, right? He gets involved big government when it comes to foreign policy. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of a one of those things where it's his legacy is complicated. If we look at it from right and left today, where big government when it comes to foreign policy, a little more right, big Mm -hmm. government when it comes to uh, social issues, a little more left.
1: And one thing I also noticed, because he's a big uh, environmentalist, big, who kind of devolved the national parks. Right. He's responsible for really building that up. But there was some company, I think it was a coal company, that was like, no, we're going to sue you if you keep Mm. doing these, keep uh, preserving these lands where we could make some money. And he said, no, I hear you. All right. No problem. His last day of his presidency, he swears in like 55 national parks. Right. I was like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, I mean, he Dance. is the he,
0: the environmental president, and that also would be a parallel to today. I mean, then it was more about you know preserving the wilderness as opposed to global warming or whatever. Right, right, right. Uh, but you know, similar kind of thing. Going back to the race thing. Go back. He is kicking a lot of Native Americans out of their land by preserving all these national parks. So lesson. Everything about this guy is and plus chooses. and minus. It's all plus and minus. Right. Uh, But definitely a good guy. You know, I don't want this to be a. For his
1: time, a pretty.
0: For his time. For today's time. uh, For today's time, not He's like
1: zero with the plus or minus. But back then, he at least talked about
0: quite different people. He was. Yeah, he was for—he wanted a fair shake. I mean, that's what the square deal was. He wanted a fair shake for people who weren't born into privilege. Right.
1: He just wanted everyone to progress at his pace. At his pace. Right.
0: Whether his statue deserves to be taken—I think that that particular statue should be taken down because it's just a weird-ass statue, and it's clearly a racist statue. I don't think statues should be up pretty much of anyone because there's good and bad for everyone. I'm a big—weave statues up because that's just history. Mm. Statues, uh, to me,
1: aren't like, oh, this person celebrated. like No, this is a frozen moment in time. Well, then, to
0: counter that, I would say, you know, take that Teddy Roosevelt statue and instead of putting it in the front of the museum, just move it back a little bit. Yeah,
1: maybe move it back a little bit because then if you take away that statue, people are going to be like, no, Teddy Roosevelt, he did the national parks and he stopped big corporations. People are going to be like, oh, and also, he hated a lot of ethnicities right you know what i'm saying like you kind of need that statue to remind everyone like oh that's right
0: right he was also a racist he was also a racist and it goes back to that thing of our modern point of view now cancel culture whatever you want to say right of like you know it's all or nothing and this is a guy from 1900 he did some good things he did some bad things whether he should have statues or not i, I don't but i don't really know
1: it's a racist statue because it's a racist person yes you know yes. what I'm saying? like it's there's a reason why it's like that it's not because the Person who made the statues racist. Also,
0: the guys on Mount Rushmore. Let's just also say that
1: guys on Mount Rushmore. That's how much work Th- is that going to take? That's
0: going to be too difficult. The other one, yeah, it's good marble. In any case, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being on for Rich Apple. This has been a. Uh, we haven't scratched the surface.
1: Oh no, you could go
0: of Teddy Roosevelt for days. People dedicate their lives to this stuff. All the you know popular American uh, history authors, Doris Kearns Goodwin, and and. Uh, you know David McCullough; they've all written books about yep. Teddy Roosevelt. But uh, I think we covered some ground here. For how long did we do?
1: Over an hour. I Over saying. an hour of
0: this guy. Yeah. I mean, we did. We did all right. All right. T. R. Twenty-six president. Done. Peace, bitches. <laughs>